What does it mean to be an ally? What's required of you if you decide to step in and stand beside someone in difficulty, particularly someone who is part of a marginalized population? On today's episode, we'll explore the components of allyship and share some practical tips on how you can really be an ally. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inscribing Inclusion. I'm your host, Jocelyn Armstrong. I'm so glad that you chose to tune in again today. Thank you so much for listening. I want to talk about allyship this time. So this is certainly a term that we hear a lot of, um, particularly during the month of June, because we tend to associate allyship with Pride Month and our friends and neighbors and relatives in the LGBTQ plus community. More on that later. But for now, we're going to talk about what allyship is um, and how we can be good allies to the folks that we support, that we love, that we like, that we consider amongst our family and friends and neighbors. So you all know, if you've listened to this show before, that I am big on definitions. Um, You can thank my mother for that because we kept the dictionary in the house and she often encouraged me to use it. Um, So with that being said, I have a couple of definitions um, from both traditional um, dictionary sources, if you will, as well as organizational uh, definitions about what allyship is. So starting with more of the traditional definition uh, coming from the Merriam-Webster dictionary, uh, an ally means a supportive association with another person or uh, such association with the members of a marginalized or mistreated group to which one does not belong. Many of us, if we took an American history course or a world history course um, in our high school years, maybe even college, we learned about allies and the allied forces. So they were the countries that came together and fought alongside each other in major wars like um, World War One and World War II and that sort of thing. So again, ally is to come alongside someone and be supportive um, of them. Again, in current and modern times, it is specifically targeted toward being um, an ally to and a support of a marginalized or mistreated group of people um, that you are not a part of. Uh, Wikipedia, one of our eh, uh, more prolific sources, but something that can be shifted and changed at will, uh, Wikipedia describes allyship as um, emphasizing social justice, inclusion, and human rights by members of an in-group to advance the interests of an oppressed or marginalized outgroup. And while you can't see me, you can hear me, I want you to imagine that I'm using uh, my finger air quotes around terms like in-group and outgroup because that's exactly what's happening. Um, because I, I struggle sometimes with and think about folks classifying or qualifying people as being in or out um, of a certain group. There is an organization, um, it is a Canadian-based organization, and I will be sure to share the link to their website um, in the show notes, but it's called the Anti-Oppression Network. And so they describe allyship as an active, consistent, and arduous practice of unlearning and reevaluating in which a person in a position of privilege and power 
seeks to operate in solidarity with a marginalized group. And I'm, I'm gonna run that back because that was a lot of words, right? So the Anti-Oppression Network defines allyship as an active, consistent, and arduous, so like very hard focused work, uh, practice of unlearning and reevaluating in which a person in a position of privilege and power seeks to operate in solidarity with a marginalized group. So let's like break some of that apart a little bit. An important part of being an ally is the unlearning. So that means that we are disabusing ourselves of the notions and beliefs that we had about a certain group of people um, and instead are replacing those thoughts with actual experiences and real information about those folks, right? So unlearning our biases, unlearning our prejudices um, about a group of people, and then reevaluating where we stand with what we know, um, with our new knowledge, right? And those of us that are in positions of privilege and power are seeking to operate in solidarity with a marginalized group. So again, this is the, the support of and coming alongside with them um, to impact their experience in a positive way and also making sure that they are seen and heard in the world in a new way. The Anti-Oppression Network, and I, I encourage you, like I said, I'll share the, the website and I encourage you to visit because they, they give some practical tips and ask um, important questions that you should ask yourself when you're considering whether or not you're an ally. So one thing that um, AON, as I will call them, says about allyship is that it's not an identity, right? You, it, This is not a, I'm wearing a t-shirt or slapping a bumper sticker or a magnet on my car. It's not um, a title that I, I get to give myself necessarily or even just a title, period. Um, it's not an identity, but it's a process and a lifelong process of basing relationships built on trust, consistency, and accountability with marginalized individuals or groups of people. So by saying that you are an ally, um, one, you don't get to name yourself that, right? It is it is, it is a part of identity or a process that you're able to identify with based upon folks within a marginalized group recognizing you as such. And it's based upon relationship. It's not that you just get to stand outside or put in your email signature or be out in public and say that you are an ally to a certain group of marginalized people, but rather you have relationships, like actual authentic relationships with these people, and that there is trust and consistency and accountability there so that when things are happening, um, be it regular life stuff or major things, they know that you will be there. They, are, they can trust your consistency and that um, you are accountable to them and they, account, they are accountable to you in the dynamics of uh, mutual and healthy relationship, right? The other thing is that, again, allyship is not self-defined. Uh, work and efforts must be recognized by the people that we seek to ally ourselves with. So we don't just get to raise our hands and say that we are an ally to someone because it requires that back and forth and that acknowledgement from that group of folks that you are a trusted person and that they do have relationship with you. Allyship is not something that is born out of guilt, but rather out of responsibility. So the responsibility to our fellow humans. Um, if you feel bad or feel guilty about the way that you or your ancestors behave toward certain groups of marginalized people, then you should examine that. Like examine your, your bad feelings, your guilt, your embarrassment. Um, but don't use that as the basis for your allyship. 
allyship is not um, a penance or a penalty that you are paying because you are a part of majority culture. It is instead what you consider a responsibility to um, uplifting and respecting humanity and your fellow human um, and making sure that you're creating spaces, particularly when you are dealing with folks in marginalized group, creating spaces where they can be seen, heard, protected, amplified, respected, right? So if again, if, if the basis for your deciding to be an ally is because you feel guilty about the fact that you are part of the majority culture or you know, your grandma or grandpa or great, great uncle or someone is racist, sexist, ableist, misogynist. Um, I want you to pause and examine that before you try to jump into the ally waters because your guilt will only take you so far. But having a responsibility to other humans will keep you in the allyship space for the long haul. With that being said, um, what is your why? Why, what is the motive? Why do you want to be considered an ally and for any group a number of groups of people or a specific group of people what is what is propelling you or um, causing you to want to stand alongside someone or stand up for someone else um, again are you doing it in name only are you doing it to appear good or to look like you're engaged is that what you're doing is that why you're saying that you're an ally I encourage you to really think about, you know, again, your why and if it's just something that you're doing to appear a certain way. The other thing is that when you are considering how to move into the space of allyship, you want to do some self-assessment first and some self-reflection to be clear about who you are and where you sit in relation to the marginalized individuals or groups that you are seeking to ally yourself with. Um, what's important to you individually? What things make you tick? What do you have as your dreams for society and humanity at large? Um, how can you use the talents and privileges that you have to benefit others? So examine and figure out what is your why. And once you've determined your why and done your self-assessment and self-reflection, there's more work to be done, right? Um, I don't want it to all seem like drudgery, or as I heard someone say recently, it's not about all about hauling bricks. But there is some work that you have to do once you have decided to step into the space. You have to be intentional about learning about others. Um, I repeat on this podcast and many other places about the importance about reading and watching and listening. You know, there's podcasts, there's documentaries, there's movies, there's books. There's a wealth of information available for you to learn about those that you seek to align yourself with and be allies for. Um, the other thing about doing the work is showing up when it's time. So if you've taken the time to, as um, suggested by the Anti-Oppression Network, to be in true relationship, you will know when you are needed and you will show up when it's time. Again, not out of some guilt or obligation, but out of mutual humanity, respect, and relationship. Um, so when, when the rubber meets the road, as folks like to say, um, or when the stuff hits the fan, where are you as an ally? Are you somewhere disconnected, staying out of the way, staying out of the fray? Are you standing right alongside or are you finding other ways to support folks that you say that you're an ally for? That is an important part of doing the work, so to speak. Being there and being available when it's time. 
That may mean, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but that may mean showing up at a rally. That may mean voting in a specific way, you know, in the interests that benefit the folks that you say that you align yourself with. That may mean calling your elected officials or writing to them on behalf of the people in the communities that you say that you are an ally for. Um, finding other ways to be helpful. One thing that is something to be very watchful of um, when you find yourself as an ally is to not center yourself. It is not about you. You're standing alongside of or speaking on behalf of others as an advocate sometimes. Um, but this is not about the focus being on you or the spotlight being on you. You are shining a light on others and illuminating their situations. Uh, you should not be the center of attention. Um, when you're an ally, say for instance that you're at an event that is dealing with black folks or queer folks or um, disabled folks, it's not time for you to tell your story or talk about how well you relate to the black experience because you had a black neighbor growing up. Like that is not what allyship is. It is not about you being in the center of attention. It is about you instead shifting and shining that light on others. So maybe you're getting the attention of the people in the audience or the people in the room so that then you can make space for um, those who are in marginalized groups to speak. Or maybe it's you being just quiet and standing alongside of and being in the room um, as a support system, as someone who is just a friendly face and um, someone to help hold someone up in the time when things are going on. But never is it about you being the center of attention. That is not what allyship is. That is something altogether different. Um, some of it is performance and other things, but it is not allyship. Um, also, this is not a pity party, right? You wanna tell the truth. And sometimes the truth is hard or rough or sad. Um, there, are, there are certainly depressing and shocking parts of many stories, um, but tell the truth and point out the issues, but do not dehumanize um, or do not diminish the folks that you are seeking to be an ally for because they are still very much humans. They are very much still amazing people despite the things that are being done to them or the things that are happening to them. Um, so don't make this a pity party, right? Um, but point out, the, point out the ways in which those who are listening can be helpful um, and tell the truth and tell the story in respectful ways. Gain permission. So this was an interesting thing that I learned about allyship. Um, I asked a friend of mine who is in the um, LGBTQ plus community about how I, as a cisgender heterosexual woman, can be an ally to that community. Um, also understanding and embracing my blackness and what that means. And so the lesson from that friend was to check in with folks all along the way, because this may be your friend and you understand their story and that kind of thing. And you've been with them in some very interesting and maybe even difficult times. Um, but always check in and ensure that you're not overstepping or that you're not going in the wrong direction. Um, they may not want you to be an ally that day, right? They may want to go it alone or they may want no attention at all on whatever is happening and they would instead want to go away and regroup and, and reconsider some things. Um, but if if you have decided upon decided with for yourself rather that you're always gonna jump in and speak up and stand up and 
you know, rally, 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 um, that may be problematic for your friend in a number of ways. For instance, when I ask the friend about being an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, let me slow my words down. Um, she shared with me that if you are attempting to be their ally and there is a space that they are not out, maybe it's a workplace and environment and the other coworkers don't know, um, that's not your time to rush to speak up, right? Or to point out who they are because they may not be out in that particular setting. So you always wanna check in um, with the person or with the community that you're trying to be an ally for because you don't wanna make a mess of things. Um, you don't want to put them in danger or in precarious situations because you're so busy waving your ally flag. So be very, very cautious of that and make sure that you are in good communication with folks. Um, I kind of look at it like those friends of ours who have gone to medical school and become doctors and they talk about doing no harm um, because what we don't want to do is damage people in the process of trying to help. Um, if, if what you're doing um, or, if, or if your presence is causing more difficulty or um, has the potential for harm, then your allyship is dangerous and burdensome and you maybe need to step away and reconsider your role in that space. Um, and another thing too is that when we're talking about being careful with our allyship, we also want to be cautious not to take on the behaviors of the oppressor. Um, so what do I mean by that? Taking on the, the behaviors of the oppressor means that um, you are trying to tell people what's best for them um, instead of listening to them. So resist that urge to tell folks what's best for them. And if you're truly there to help and to be an ally, trust that they know what they need. Um, even if they have trouble articulating what they need, ask them and help them walk through it and help them get there. But trust that they know what they need the best. You don't know best for them, right? So open your ears and listen. Um, you know, sometimes we have the tendency because we're being helpers to tell people who need our help what's best for them. And that's not necessarily true or the best method, right? If you're telling, if someone tells you that they're hungry, um, you should not be quick to tell them, well, they just need a steak and some potatoes and some green beans because, you know, maybe they have a health issue that does not allow them to eat red meat healthily, Right. So they will say that they are hungry and maybe then they can tell you that, oh, by the way, I, I need some fish and some vegetables, right? Resist that urge to take on the behaviors of the oppressor. So I mentioned at the top of the episode that many of us think about allyship, particularly in the month of June, because it's Pride Month. And so we learned allyship and came to understand what it means in relation to the LGBTQ plus community. That's not the only way that we can show our support through allyship. Um, it can be allyship based upon, um, if you are a man, you can be an ally for women um, as it relates to pay equity. If you are a white person, you can be an ally to people of color. If you are an abled body person, you can be an ally to disabled people. Um, if you are someone who does not have ADHD or autism or other um, neurodivergent um, expressions, 
Uh, you can be an ally to someone who is neurodiverse. Um, that's, you know, if you're, if you're a person who has needs, you can be an ally to someone who is in a different socioeconomic economic status than you are. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can show up as allies. And so starting with the what many of us, how many of us learn the terminology, but expanding that into so many spaces and places. Why is that important? It's important because people are complex and they present multiple identities. So for instance, if you're calling yourself being an ally to your friend or your coworker who is a black queer person, um, supporting their gender identity as well as their race is a part of that allyship. Do not disappear or stand down when there's an issue of racial violence um, or some other thing, right? Don't become quiet when uh, your Latina neighbor is discussing um, challenges that they have based on race if you're in a room full of women talking about pay equity, right? So understanding that allyship takes many forms and that the people that we consider ourselves allies for, that we've been invited to be allies for, that we've been accepted to be allies for have complex personalities and complex ways that they show up. And by only choosing the thing that is most comfortable or most relatable to you um, does not necessarily make you the best ally because then you're ignoring other parts and places where your privilege and your talents uh, could be helpful to them. So I'm challenging you as I challenge myself um, many days to expand my understanding of allyship and where that shows up and what that means. So now at this point, you're listening and you're like, Jocelyn has told us what allyship means. Jocelyn's told us the, the cautions um, about our allyship. But what are some ways that I can really do this? Like, give me some practical ideas about how I can be an ally. Well, I'm so glad that you asked. I can hear you even though I can't hear you. Um, I mentioned this already, but again, educate yourself. Take in information and be sure to apply the lessons that you get from all that studying, um, reading, watching, listening that you participate in. And one of the applications or action steps you can take after learning the lessons is educating others. Share what you've learned with other people um, because it may help them as they are considering their ally journey but also correct people when necessary and appropriate. That is a good way to be an ally. So when you hear somebody saying something wild, harmful, disrespectful about a group of people or an individual based upon some crazy, racist, sexist, ableist, prejudiced notions, you can correct them because you have taken time to learn about folks and you can say that is not who they are or how they are, right? And there's ways to do that that's not, you know, flipping over the table and setting things on fire necessarily. However, that, if that is a thing that you have to do, figuratively anyway, then go for it. Um, another way of allyship is with your resources, with your time, with your financial resources. Volunteer, donate to organizations um, that are important to the marginalized people that you have aligned yourself with volunteer and you don't just have to have to show up and say like i'm helping the black kids in the inner city or i'm coming to be a volunteer for disabled kids these are all things that that can be true and that you can do but sometimes your volunteerism means reading someone's resume um it means just sitting in a classroom and reading with kids 
so that you can ensure that your allyship looks like making sure folks have better access to education. Um, certainly, again, donating your financial resources is important because stuff costs money, right? And if you have the means to be able to do that, that is another way um, to show your allyship. Now, I'm not saying that you should just be a check writer because it's important to spend time with the folks that you're funding, right? It's important to spend time in the spaces where the people that you are funding are. So it's 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 kind of a both and sort of dynamic. It's time and money. Um, it is using, again, your valuable resources to help folks. Um, it also may mean, as it relates to financial resources, um, are you committed to taking some risks? Are you committed to cashing in your social capital? Are you willing to speak up in a place that maybe will get you in trouble at work? That maybe will cause you to miss a specific contract because your potential client doesn't agree with your stances? Um, are you able to sacrifice some things for the sake of allyship? And I know that's a hard thing to consider, it really is, but um, it's something that we all have to think about when we're considering uh, what our true allyship really means. And then, of course, allyship means literally standing by someone. Um, as we are in, again, the month of pride, there are pride parades and things that are happening. You can show up. You can stand alongside our neighbors and friends. You can march with them and carry signs. You can pass out water along the parade route, right? Um, or if it's a Black Lives Matter protest or if it's a protest about pipelines cutting through indigenous land, whatever it is, sometimes just go and stand and show up, be there with them, be there for them. Um, because sometimes one of the best things we can do is just be a presence for someone or for a group of people. They're, they're, they say there is safety in numbers, there's power in numbers, and you just being there amongst the number can be very helpful um, in some of these allyship situations because it shows that many people um, and even those people who are not directly impacted care about what's happening, care about what's going on. Um, use your influence and privilege to benefit others. So some of us talking on this podcast right now and some of us listening find ourselves in rooms and with audiences that others do not have access to. So what are you saying and doing in those spaces? I had a call about a week ago with a gentleman. He's a white male of probably middle age um, who is an attorney. And he is very interested in and was talking about what he can do to diversify their staff and make sure that people of diverse backgrounds come and work where he works and stay where he works and feel like they are a part of that community and being able to um, contribute to that workplace. And he said, you know, I, I just, I sit in meetings and I ask questions and I talk to my boss and my other boss and they're encouraging me to do this and they're on board. And so when I have an opportunity either with them or with other leaders, I just ask questions and make suggestions about things that we can do. And he's like, I mean, you know, I, he said, um, paraphrasing, I'm just a white guy and this isn't necessarily impacting me, but I just feel like something should be different. He's using his influence and his privilege. He is sitting in the rooms where other people do not sit and he is asking the questions 
um, that many marginalized people don't always get a chance to ask within organizational structure. Um, and he's doing the work to try to make it a space and bring people in um, and make it a more inclusive space. Um, and then another practical point as it relates to our allyship is passing the mic and sharing our platform. So when you have a wide audience, be it a social media following, for instance, or you get the opportunity to speak to leaders within the organization where you work or where you worship or your community organizations, maybe you have a regular audience with your city council or your county commission um, or other elected officials, share your platform, right? Give up your space and time on an agenda during a meeting so that a person uh, from a marginalized community can speak, particularly if you are in a position with like a city government or county government and you have a regular slot on an agenda and they're talking about a program that's supposed to impact um, youth, for instance. Find a young person that you know who is impacted by whatever piece of legislation that your city government or county government is trying to get forward and have that young person come talk during the time when you would speak at the meeting. Because who better to hear from than the folks who are directly impacted, right? Another example of that, so some of you may be familiar with Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan is a, is a diminutive entertainer um, who many of us know best from his days on Will and Grace, um, which is a sitcom from the 90s and again rebooted sometime during the 2000s, 2010s. And Leslie Jordan is um, an out and proud gay man. He is a white man from the South. Um, he is delightful and entertaining. And uh, during the summer of 2020, he did something very interesting. So he has quite a following on Instagram. And I am one of those followers, admittedly. And so he said, I'm at a loss of words about what's happening in our country. I don't know what to say about the violence against black people. And by mutual acquaintance or something, uh, he was able to get connected with a woman, a black woman named Deisha Dyer. And so what Leslie Jordan did was he turned over his Instagram and his live to Deisha. And he just kind of introduced her to people and he let her talk. And he, he let her explain from her vantage point about what was going on and, and some of the um, bubbling up, if you will, and explosions around the racism in this country and the things that happened to people like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. And he let her talk. Leslie didn't try to um, police Disha's words. Um, he acknowledged that he didn't have the right words. And he just said, here's my platform of my thousands and tens of thousands of followers. And the important part of that is that one, um, he is a part of one marginalized community because he's a gay man, um, but he is a privileged person in this community because he's a white man. And by giving his platform over to Disha, people who may never have encountered her um, or people who would not have tuned into her, who were part of his audience, now are listening and hearing um, firsthand how people of color, black people, um, and in this case, a black woman was impacted by what happened in the summer of 2020. And Leslie didn't know Disha. Again, they met, I think, just online or through some mutual folks. And it wasn't until a full year later that they actually met in person. 
but the important lessons from what Leslie did in his interaction with Disha and by providing her his platform to speak is that one, it showed that he was intentional. Two, he was open to the possibility of what this meant. One, it meant that he was able to learn. Two, it meant that he might have lost some followers, but he was willing to take that risk. Um, and then he decentered himself. I actually watched a portion of the live and he was not there. Like she was talking, she was running his Instagram that night. And that's something that particularly if you're listening to this and you're a person who is part of the majority culture, or the, the dominant culture, um, I encourage you to seek opportunities to do something very practical, like what Leslie Jordan did, um, and decenter yourself and share your platform and give space on your platform with someone who does not look like you, who does not have the same privilege that you have. And I'm saying it is risky. You may lose followers. You may lose um, relationships. You may lose certain connections in the community. Folks might turn away from you, walk away from you. Um, but in as much as you lose those people or you lose maybe some future opportunities, you will gain um, one. Hopefully you will gain more respect for yourself. You will certainly gain respect in other communities. You will gain um, just from taking the step to do something for someone who may never be able to do something for you. Um, and you will, I think, expand and broaden the ways in which we listen and interact, listen to, I should say, and interact with each other. So that being said, I hope that this was helpful. If you are a person who has considered what it means to be an ally, if you are a person who um, invites allies into community, um, I hope that this was a spark of something to remind you of why or to encourage you to dig into your why. I want this, as I often say, to be this podcast to be a catalyst for folks. I do not have all the answers, nor will I give you necessarily all the the quick ways or the best methods. I will give you good methods and best best practices and encourage you to dig deeper um, and to do more learning. So I'm all about initial learning, being a catalyst and setting you off on the rest of your journey. And so with that, I hope that you stick around for another minute or two as we delve into uh, this episode's one last thing. And now it's time for one last thing. There are two quotes for one last thing today because they both just resonated with me as it relates to this episode. The first is by Gary Hogan, who's an attorney and the founder and CEO and former president of the International Justice Mission. Um, Gary, prior to starting this organization, worked with a reconciliation group in South Africa after apartheid. And so Gary says that the victims of oppression and injustice don't need our spasms of passion, but rather our long obedience in the same direction. The other quote comes for the Center for Creative Leadership, and that one says that allyship is not a single action, it's an ongoing action with a focus on other people, not on yourself. Be sure to like and subscribe to Inscribing Inclusion on your favorite listening platform. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Inscribing Inclusion and on Twitter at Inscribing Pod. 
And if you feel like you just need to send an email, inscribinginclusion at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Thank you.